In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of The Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. There's Salt Lamakia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. All right, well, baseball isn't boring, and we have two people who uh, epitomizes that. And I think that everybody who knows anything about baseball, follows anything about baseball, follows anything about this podcast should know. Courtney Finnecombe, Matt Spiegel, both of Chicago, uh, of the Chicago ilk. I'm outnumbered. Which is, but this is what this is what this is all about. We're branching out. We're slowly getting to the West Coast. We're slowly. Getting to the West Coast. <laughs> it's your manifest destiny. Wow. <laughs> that is all. It's missing is a covered wagon. So, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah. But for, first of all, it's a pleasure to obviously. You know, I've talked to both of you quite a bit, and uh, I get to. And honestly, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. In the last year, through both of you. I've been able to sort of integrate myself into the world of Chicago sports uh, in different ways. Courtney, thank you for for uh, teaching me the art of going to a game and buying a twelve uh, twenty five dollar margarita and a helmet. And, oh, uh, and and Matt, we <laughs> Matt, we we have uh, we have broken down the Joe Kelly uh, two thousand twenty two <laughs> Chicago White Sox tenure at nauseum. <laughs> oh boy! Oh yeah. Well. Listen, I mean, Courtney, it's it's if we talk about the the origins of baseballs and boring, and both of you also have t-shirts, which means you're part of the family. But you know, we Courtney, we went to I think you were out of town at the time when we went and had the baseballs and boring party at Chicago. Yeah. We stopped by Matt's show. And and uh it was a scene, man. <laughs> it was a scene. It was- well, didn't Shane have to um edit out Joe's F bombs so much? Wasn't yes. Yes, he was uh, on duty for that. That was tough. Yeah, Joe. Joe got extra, uh, extra comfortable. And then you were at Cork and Carry, man, on the south side there, yeah. right by the ballpark. That is, that that's the legit spot. People don't think of um, of the south side ballpark as having like a neighborhood, but there are yeah. a few bars that are vital and totally happening around ball games. Cork and Carry was awesome, and it was an awesome event. And we hope to have more baseballs and boring events all over the place, but. That was great because Joe came out and and also I learned the technology of beer foam, which was something else. The Guinness people basically had this contraption that that was able to make any image that you wanted in the foam of Guinness. I feel like the technology of beer baffles me. Yeah, I'm familiar with that. Are you? Well, you know I'm a beer drinker, Rob. You know that. I I know, but I, I don't know if they do that for craft beer. You already heard it, Matt. Matt Courtney got into it with uh, who? Oh, Josh Beckett the other night. Yes, it was. Can, you can probably imagine that when <laughs> when Courtney started rattling off saying I like craft beer, Beckett was not uh, having any of that. Craft <laughs> yeah, yeah. As you can well imagine. Yeah. <laughs> 
But uh, after we talk about Jose Abreu, I do want to get the art of the wedding because um, Courtney just came from a wedding. And I would imagine, like, have you ever performed at a wedding, Matt? We can get to it at the end. But I want you, yes. before you answer that, you I, want you, I want you to sit, think about this because we talked about the art of following sports at a wedding, sporting <laughs> events at a wedding. It's not, it's, I think it's an art. But anyway, <laughs> what I want to get to first and foremost is free agency. Um, and I'm going to take a step back and, and let you guys talk a little bit. But Jose Abreu, man, to me, he is one of the more interesting guys on this free agent market. Um, because you know, if, if you just look at it in a, in a vacuum and say, oh, well, you know, he's going to be, I think, 36 in January. And, well, you know, it's, the hitters are going to decline. And you can look at some of the stats in the second half of the year, so forth and so on. But I look at this guy and I'm like, hey, hey, analytics people, just, just like ha- have a heart here. Have a little bit of a heart and, and understand what you're getting. So, Matt, I'll let you go first and then, Courtney, you can go. When when you think Jose Abreu, what do you think of? Um, I think of an unbelievable professional as a ball player, uh, legit, really good hitter who can also slug, not just a slugger who hits a little bit. Um, incredibly consistent productivity, um, and a guy who has gotten better defensively in his thirties, which is you're not, you're not supposed to do that, but it's a testament to the work ethic. I just, I think the world of the guy as a ball player and, you know, you know, Rob and, you know, Courtney, when you're actually like covering somebody every day and paying attention and you get a good four or five years of somebody under your belt. And now for Abreu, it's been what, six. It's the yeah. full, it's the yep. full go of, of that amazing, of that contract. You really, you really understand the dude. I've, I don't, I've never seen the guy take a day off or an at bat off. You know, I mean, yeah, he might sit every once in a while, but every at bat, he's battling, he's trying, and it's not kind of the classic way that shows up in the numbers. He's not a big pitches per plate appearance guy. He's not a, he's not a huge on base percentage guy without the batting average, because he does swing, but he's just he always looks for a pitch to drive and he usually does drive it. Um, and I just, I, I just respect everything about the way he does it. And, you know, it's one thing to think, well, a 36 year old guy, um, you know, he's always, he's probably a leader. No, he, he is a leader. He's not the most vocal leader and he's never really gone outside of, um, uh, of Spanish. Like he's not one of those guys who is now crossed over and can talk to everybody necessarily. So you don't get that. But especially if you've got a ball club with any young Latin players or whatever, the respect for the guy is through the roof. And some of that is due to his origin story and his years in Cuba, which are just astounding. And we can go into detail on that if we want. But the guy as a ball player, I mean, it just, it, this town has been blessed with some first baseman. You know, for a while there, it was. Derek Lee and Paul Konerko, right? <laughs> Both studly professionals, badasses, showing up, reliable every day. And Anthony Rizzo and Jose Abreu 
Like there, there were a few years there where you're like, see, look at this. We got, we got another one after Mark Grace and Frank Thomas. You know what I mean? So like every once in a while, the Cubs and Sox hook up with first baseman or stalwarts and like salt of the earth ball players and super trustworthy guys you want to be teammates with. And for the most part, not all those guys had all, everything that I think about it out loud, but, <laughs> but anyway, a brand you, an absolute stud of a ball player, still very vital and would be an incredible addition to any clubhouse. See, I can see that Courtney's like heart rate is going through the roof. Like she could, I, could I, I could, you, you, you have, you have spoken to her. I can tell you, you could spoken to her fandom as, as someone who obviously have lived and died with the White Sox. From your perspective, Courtney, is there anything that he that Matt didn't hit it on, or or more importantly, is there anything that he said that you're like, man, that's that's the most important piece of the puzzle there? You know, honestly, <clears throat> Matt, he hit it all. Um, one thing I will just kind of enhance to that is, I have often said this. I really believe he is one of the more underrated athletes, not just with the White Sox in the city of Chicago. Underrated, underappreciated. Just like what Matt said, the guy always wants to be in the lineup. I mean, I was at that game against the Royals where um, I'm blanking on his name, Matt, when he got absolutely crushed by the big outfielder. I know you know what I'm talking about. Hunter Dozier, I think it was. Hunter Dozier. I mean, I literally, I was sitting behind home plate and I heard the collision. It was violent. He wanted to to keep going. I mean... The toughness that he shows, he's a gamer. He wants to be in the lineup every single day. He's an actual baseball player. And I feel like that was missing quite a bit on this current White Sox team, baseball players. And Jose is tough. And I think we've hit on this in a couple months ago between you and I, Rob. Chris Sale used to credit Jose Abreu of being an extremely big leader in the clubhouse. So as Matt said, he is not as much of a vocal leader, but he's still considered a huge leader, especially with the Cuban contingency that is in that clubhouse. He's a very valuable part of that White Sox team, extremely. So, so how much do you guys think that the White Sox are going to value this? Because I'll speak for, I'll speak after you guys say this. Now I'll speak to how I think baseball might value him. But how much do you think the White Sox are going to value him? Or are they just saying, hey, listen, we got to turn stuff over? And it's 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 time to move on. They have a they they have a real trick bag of a roster. Like Andrew Vaughn needs to play first base or maybe left field. Eloy Jimenez needs to be a DH or maybe left field. You know, uh, Gavin Sheets is a first baseman or maybe left field. <laughs> he, he's, he's sensing a trend here. Yeah. Yasmani Grandal is a catcher who should probably play first base or DH. So that's so that's four first basemen. Yeah. And, and, and there were times last year where they had Vaughn in left and Sheets in right. And yep. it's like, wh- and what are we doing here? So they 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 really so that that's part of it. Um and look, maybe they'll trade Vaughn or they'll trade Eloy. Um, if they could trade Yasmani, I think they would have, but they can't. Um, uh, and maybe Pedro Grafal can unlock him. But they're kind of they're kind of locked in from a roster situation to where it looks like they're gonna let Abreu go because it's the simplest way to do it. Plus, then you don't pay him, and maybe you could pay somebody else, and their payroll is gonna probably stay static. So that's the big thing. I don't think they're unhappy with him in any way at all 
Mm. They're just ready to change change over the roster and 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 try to do it a different way. And I think it might bite them in the ass. Truth be told, I agree. Yeah, I mean, Courtney, from your perspective, I mean, you said like this is this is a glue guy. This is and and you know, coming from the fans' perspective, this is a this is. I would imagine this. And tell me if I'm wrong, but this was a wasn't a very popular White Sox team, right? Not even close. Correct. Yeah, I'm. I'm I went on a limb there, but this was a popular player on one of the few popular players on this team. So from the fans' perspective. You're moving on, and I see it at different places. You're trying to fill spots, and you're trying to build a team, but there's also something to be said for who's gonna wear, who's gonna be wearing the jersey with a name on the back. What kids? What? Do you, so you tell me, like, what's what's the name? What's the kids are gonna wear? And that's a small part of it, but it's the business part of it. It's why Bryce Harper is worth some of the money that he's worth mm-hmm. because you need the guy whose name is going to be on the back of the jersey of the little kids. Marketability, of course. It's yeah. huge. Yeah. So who's who's that guy if Abreu leaves? Tim Anderson, probably. Okay. But, okay, you tell me. You know, Tim Anderson obviously hurt. He's got a great personality. We all love, you know, sort of his, uh, you know, his voice in the game. But where does he rank in terms of the fabric of of the White Sox? You know, different Abreu. Different player. I mean, like you said, he's been hurt. Um, his defense at times is struggling, for lack of a better word. Um, definitely just a different kind of player. As I said, Abreu was kind of that old school grinder type, wants to play through the injuries, where I don't see that from Tim as much. So, again, it's a little bit of a different just type of baseball player. Tim obviously has the flash. You know, he's out there with a the big bat, bat flips, changed the game. He's got the whole slogan. But it's not the same for me as a Jose Abreu, a guy that wants to be there every single day. It's different. Yeah, T.A. had a rough year. Um, he, he didn't play very well, um, played real sloppy defensively and on the bases. And then then the batting average got in decay, got hurt a couple of times, obviously. <clears throat> and there was some stuff going on with him, um, some some rumors and some things on social media. Seemed like he had a lot going on personally, which affected him. Um, and and so he was. It, it was a rough year. He could bounce back from it, but it, it but it was definitely a rough go. And in terms of of uh, of of marketability, I don't know that the White Sox are in a position where they're allowing themselves to think about it. You know, mm-hmm. they're like. Time is now. Their their window is now. They're they're right in the middle of it, and they just wasted a year and a half or two years because of Jerry Reinsdorf's vanity hire of Tony Larusa, and now Rick Hahn got to do it his own way, and he really is being given the freedom. And this is a last gasp for him, perhaps of uh, of of a chance to do this particular window right. Um. So look, I. I if any, it's it's possible that the Abreu save where he stays a White Sox would be the Reinsdorfian move of this offseason, right? Because Jerry loves him. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, dude. Jerry oh, yeah. Jerry once presented Jose Abreu a ring. 
They're hitting for the cycle. It's one of my favorite things. Like they, they were in the middle of a period where they didn't they didn't win a damn thing. This is this is like this is like John Henry giving Ricky Henderson a, a car for being a Red Sox for one year. Oh, I didn't know that. That's oh yeah, perfect. that's yeah. perfect, right? Yeah. yeah, like it was like a Brayu hit for the cycle, and two nights later, like Reinsdorf is in the clubhouse presenting him with a ring, because um, there's there's an emotional connection. And so, you know, if Jerry's going to step in, it, it could be, you know what, let's give Jose 10 million. And, you know, you know, the hot rumor is for Abreu is the Cubs. Cubs, yeah, yeah. Nobody would hate that more than Jerry Reinstein. <laughs> <laughs> I would rather see him on the Cubs than the Twins. That is for sure. Yes. yes. That is and, for sure. And don't you think it's possible, Courtney, that that Jose's agent is very interested in that rumor being what it is Million. in order to, in order to drive Jerry to uh, such things. Not that this business works that way, Rob. But not- no, 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 no. But, you know, you know I, I, I look at it from now I'm looking from the outside of like, and I'm always fascinated by how much front offices value guys like this. I, I really am. And I think that front offices, it, it is cyclical. And I do think it's starting to turn a little bit because the narrative had gotten so strong where, where, you know, front offices were catching so much heat. So you have to, like, we've had, I can't tell you how many podcasts I did this year where, you know, Mitch Moreland, Brock Holt, you know, whoever, and they just <laughs> would come out and say, yeah, this is stupid. This is ridiculous. This is, and obviously they had skin in the game because they were the guys, but I've heard a ton of other people, John Lester, whoever. And, and, and then, so when we asked, you know, I had Heim Bloom on and he asked about Xander Bogart, how much does this stuff mean? And he's like, well, of course it means something. Otherwise as a 30 year old free agent, we're not even getting on the bus with them. You know, it's like, okay, well, Hmm. that sounds good, but how much are they truly going to value that? Now, Jose Abreu is still a good player, man. Like, as you guys point out. I mean, this guy, look at his OPS. I mean, it's dipped, it, it dipped barely below 800 once. Once. And so, but at, at the same time, there has to be, I think, uh, winning, and Rich Hill said this a bunch, you know, winning, look at the winning teams, they have winning players. And, and with the right group around them, it seems like this guy's a winning player. 100%. 100%. Go ahead, Courtney. No, you go ahead. Go ahead, Matt. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it, it, like he—he's definitely that guy, and and we know that, and we and we lived it in this town with with the Cubs. Where like the guy you talked to, what a couple weeks ago, David Ross. As soon as he left, they spent three years in the wilderness looking for that next guy. They went out. They, they had John Jay. They went out and got Daniel Descalso. Like looking for these like just sort of hard scrabble vets who show up and are gamers. Yeah. We had John Jay for a minute too, man. Let's not forget. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We had John so, Jay for a minute too. Yeah. So no, th- there's there's value with those guys. I will tell you one thing about the offensive profile of Abreu. He had a terrible start this year, and then like a lot of you know a lot of a, a, a lot of sluggers who can also hit do. He kind of concentrated on just making contact, and he had a huge amount of singles mm-hmm. this year, and um. 
and the homers, the power never really came back. Like I, I, I thought the approach was smart. Like you're, you're having trouble controlling the strike zone, having trouble, you know, really driving the ball. So he shortened up and really just tried to make contact. And then you figure the swing would get a little longer and the power would come back and it didn't really happen. So it could be that, that the White Sox front office looks at him and says, He's a 30, you know, a, a late 30s singles hitting first baseman. That's even less valuable yeah. than a late 30s power hitting first baseman. Right. But, but as I said, that's something that always resonated with me was how he really worked to improve his defense. I mean, there were a few years there where I thought he could win a gold glove. I think it was last year where he was incredible in the, yeah. in the infield. I mean, incredible. And that to me is someone that takes pride in his craft. And that's something that I didn't see a whole lot of with this current White Sox team. Where, honestly, like a Tim Anderson who gets a little sloppy defensively, you know, comparing that to a Jose Abreu who really, really wanted to make it a point to get better defensively, that kind of stuff resonates with the fan base. How much How much I know that, you know, of the many problems that they had this year, how much do you think that, and you guys talk about Rick Khan finally getting sort of a little bit of the reins back, Will they say, all right, man, like we were fundamentally, we were terrible. Defensively, we were terrible. How much are they going to be? Uh, you, do you think that that'll turn, that that'll, they'll prioritize that stuff? Well, let's see if you can teach it to big leaguers in their 20s and, uh, well, that's and the problem, 30s. right? If you're locked into guys, it's like, good luck. You know, it's like you can, you know, you can do, you can hit all the ground balls and fly balls you want. They are what I, they are at that point. I asked Pedro Grafal that exact question. Um, what on on the air the day was hired is like, can you teach fundamentals to veteran players? And he said, yeah, you can. So it, it, he, they believe that he can. They, they really do believe that just by coaching these guys up, they're going to be a lot better by holding them accountable, by by actually giving them energy, by having a manager who has patience and time and and uh and the ability to communicate and really try to connect with them that they're going to be a lot better so they're they're gonna they're they're definitely gonna gonna focus on that stuff and 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 we'll see what happens um in 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 that regard one other thing you should know you got to know about abreu is the level of respect within especially the cuban community so like when yasmani grandal came here he just like threw it in at the end of an answer one time and it caught us all off guard. He said, yeah, I'm just here to try and play well and do what we can and dot, 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 follow Abreu to the promised land. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Grandal. Yeah. Grandal. He's a made guy coming here, signing a four year, what? $76 million deal or yeah. whatever it was yeah. having been to a world series. And he said, we're here to follow Abreu to the promised land. I mean, that's respect, you know, you know in, in with Abreu in Boston, he will forever be known as the guy who brought Rusne Castillo to Boston in a weird way. <laughs> oh, because, wow. because, yeah, because the Red Sox missed out on the, which was the bizarre sort of posting fee for Abreu. It's like those blind posting fee. Yeah. And evidently they missed out on him by like $6 million or something. And, and then they, the Red Sox, as they want to do sometimes chasing their tail, they said, well, let's get the next good Cuban player. And the, so the next year they get Rusne Castillo, yeah. and that didn't work out too well. Yeah. But um, yeah, so so oh, I will say one thing about the White Sox fundamentals that Matt was touching on. I just got to say again, kind of the fan base standpoint, how refreshing it's going to be to have a whole new set of eyes. Yeah, nothing to do with the White Sox organization. They're hiring from the outside. Pedro Grifol, as we talked about, Rob comes very very highly regarded, 
And it's just going to be so mm-hmm. nice not to have a bunch of White Sox retreads coaching up this team. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, you guys, uh, the last thing with the White Sox is the as we sit here now, if for no other reason Pedro Grafal is there, which just seems sort of like the polar opposite of, of the, uh, the image that they had before, as we sit here right now, the White Sox fan base uh, cautiously optimistic. Well, I mean, how would you explain where the White Sox fan base is with this team right now? I mean, I would say um, compared to the Larusa years and compared to some of the names being thrown around as manager, um, I think it's cautiously optimistic. Obviously, as fans, they want to see an aggressive team in you know free agency and trades. I don't think that's going to happen unless I'm reading into things a little bit differently. Um, But I think as fans, we want to see that. I don't think it'll happen. But I just think overall, we are excited that we're getting a fresh set of eyes, like I was saying, and a team that potentially still has potential to be very good. And now with hopefully a competent coaching staff, we can finally put the pieces together, maybe fill in with a little bit of free agency and finally get this going with some health. Well, yeah, I mean, we we shouldn't forget, like, coming into last year, the White Sox were proceed. What was their over-under win total? It was, like, high 80s. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they were perceived as, you know, and I've said this, I think I said this to you the other day on the radio, Matt, like, if you, the perception from the outside was, if you put, like, an Alex Corey or something in there, you're talking about a 90-something win team. Yeah, totally conceivable. They won 93 games the year before. Yeah. Um, but they faded in the second half and the fundamentals were bad and it was obvious they weren't doing some things and then they didn't really fix anything in the off season. And they all knew that they'd gotten their ass handed to them by Houston and they were better and, 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 and the White Sox were outclassed. And I really think they hit opening day feeling like they were outclassed and ready to kind of pack it in a little bit. And they lost on opening day when AJ Pollock misplayed an, a, a ball against the fence in left field guy had literally played less than five games in left field in his life. So they start out with every, all these people out of position and it bit him in the butt on day one. And it was just, it was just kind of, kind of obvious. And I, I do think, and I think they're going to get away with a rather inactive offseason here because a lot of people think just replacement level managers like <laughs> stepped in there is yep. it, it, it could be worth seven or eight wins. Yeah. And uh, well, they might and, not be wrong. Yeah, they might not be wrong. <laughs> um, and 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 the other thing just about Grafol as it relates to Abreu, Grafol is an active and vocal leader and Tony wasn't. If your manager's that, maybe you don't need the guy in the clubhouse quite as much if all of a sudden the manager's that and he's going to be setting the template, right? We've seen that. If you don't have the manager, you need the players. Uh, right, right. One or the other. It's good. It's good. Hey, Pedro's also was also a Cuban American, which I think will yeah, resonate for sure. So that's you know, nice little combination there. You have me fired up. I'm picking the White Sox. There it is. For, for obvious, for, for, <laughs> for obviously not uh, not so obvious reasons. Um, um, so uh, two last things: one baseball, one not baseball. The baseball one I'll get to first. Uh, the uh, the rookie of the year was just named. And Julio, Julio Rodriguez won for the American League. Now, I will say this. This is I just want your your guys' take on this. I said if I was going to start a team, like this is my fun exercise, if I get to start a team, I can take one player. 
Oof. He is the player that I'm taking. And this is the question. This go back to 2005 when Theo Epstein was on his hiatus and he was at a hot stool of cool music event. And he said, and he said, uh, he was asked this question. And he said at that time, 2005, he says Felix Hernandez, which I thought was fascinating, right? And he actually turned out turned out to be a pretty good answer. So I'm saying Julio Rodriguez. When I've said this before, people have said Soto. People have said other people. Now, you have to factor in contract. You have to factor in age. After factor in potential, uh, you know, career, shelf life, and everything else. Do you guys have an answer for that? If you don't, that's okay. I just find it an interesting question. I'm going to go Otani. Otani. But so here's the thing with Otani. What is he? How old is he now? Twenty nine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, so I need a I need a guy who's going to dominate for like fifteen years. I, you know, he's the kind of guy that can play until he's forty. I feel like maybe twenty eight. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a bad. It's not a bad answer. It's this. I mean, Courtney, it. Courtney, there's no bad answers. There's never a bad answer. There's Come no on, Rob. Answer. You know that. There's no bad. I answer. mean, he hasn't really hit his prime yet, right? I mean, twenty eight. Ooh, if he hasn't hit his prime, listen. I, I, I don't think he has. I, I love, I love the Julio answer because center field matters, and because he can hit and run he's legit five tools and the makeup is apparently awesome right yeah um and he's signed now to a deal that's only going to look better as the years go on yeah um I, I i'm torn between a couple of guys but i'll go ahead and i'll say just because i'm so impressed with the makeup and the the hitting and the obp and it's arguably uh, as important, if not more important, a position. I'm thinking Adley Rutschman might be my pick. Okay, good catcher, one. Catcher in Baltimore. I just think that that dude that dude could win a batting title. Um, that dude will be the the heart and soul of that team for the for the next decade. And a and a lefty bat is. I'm a big fan of Rutschman. All good answers. All good answers. That one. That was good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, last thing. Most importantly. Courtney just came from a wedding. Matt. Yeah. Um, My third wedding this year, exhausted. <laughs> how many what? My third wedding this year, I'm exhausted. And, I'm uh, and so, and so the the art of a following a sporting event that you have yeah. to follow at, at a wedding. Matt, I we've I've had this conversation with Courtney, and she's had to do it. We've like this year. Have you ever had to do this, Matt? Yes. Um, my, my wife's Apple watch came in very big for me <laughs> because, uh, well, you know, it's, it's, it's Boston. I don't need to tell you about Apple watches and how useful they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So well played. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. Like not holding the phone up and just kind of like, oh yeah. So congratulations. <laughs> um, good, good for you. But here's the thing. Everybody knows, you know, so at some point, there's like the little group that sort of materializes over in the corner. Oh, what's going on there? What are they doing? <laughs> or if possible, the hotel does have a bar with a TV that if this door is open just right, we can hang out there. Courtney, but remember, you, you, Courtney you actually left the room. Were you, you were like a room leaver, weren't you? I, was, I mean, this was at one of the weddings I was at was end of July. 
and the White Sox were playing Cleveland's and they were still kind of in it. They were still kind of battling. I'm like, God, this is like a big series. I don't want to, I mean, it was the double header. It was a double header. Of course. Going in and out. I was checking my phone in the church. I mean, it was was the whole experience. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And so the last thing is, and Matt, you said you performed at a wedding, correct? I I have, especially in the nineties. I did a few of them in the nineties. Okay. Okay. Which is more pressure to perform musically at a wedding Uh or to do what Courtney had to do just two days ago, which is uh, you were uh, the maid of honor, correct? Yes. Give the maid of honor speech. Oh yeah. Now the maid, the the speech is, is gotta be a much bigger deal. I, uh, you must have yeah. witnessed some good made of honor speeches. Oh man, I it, I used to love it because we were contracted on a very specific time frame, and as the made of honor speech went longer and longer and longer and longer, <laughs> we played less and less <laughs> and less, and the check stayed the same. <laughs> Excellent. So, yeah, so we were we, we approved of long speeches, absolutely. And I did not want to be that person that went over my time. But you know how it is when you're like speaking in front of a room and you're trying to be funny uh, and you're not getting the proper to the proper give and take. And it's so gut where you're like dying inside. <laughs> Luckily, this did not happen to me on Saturday, but I'm thinking, God, this has to be good because it's going to be on camera. It's my very best friends. I cannot fumble this. And you said and some- you, you said you, you said you integrated sports. So ma- and I always I always try to. Yeah. yeah. OK. All right. Her husband. Who's just a sports guy, big Notre Dame fan, big big Cub fan, which is always a little awkward. But, you know, I did the best I could. And people did come up to me and say it was the best speech of the night. Oh, just wow. <laughs> best, speech, my voice. best speech of the night or the best speech ever? No, this best is best. Of the night. <laughs> okay. All right. I mean, I don't want to validate myself that much. It was All the right. best speech of the night. All right. Well, listen. I appreciate you all, and I hope that we can all get together in an enormous event, an enormous baseballs and boring event in the coming in the coming months, definitely coming year, if for no other reason to celebrate uh, the book release party. Yes, which I appreciate you got all your support, um, and you guys are great, man. Like it's really it's been really been a lot of fun talking with you all, and hopefully we can do it again real soon. Hey, Rob, a pleasure, Courtney, a pleasure, and uh, it, we all know it's not boring. You know, those poor bastards out there who think it's boring, you know, keep fighting the good fight. So listen, it's on a T-shirt, so it must be true. (laughs) All right, guys.